adaptation and adaptability become the most important resources in the 21st century because the pace of change is only accelerating and because the difficulty of adapting for these organizations is going to be higher and higher because they will need to go faster and faster. In 10 years, will you regret this? Will you regret not making your people adaptable? Will you regret not preparing them for the future of your organization? If today you want to take action, check this new episode of Asian Tide. We aim at connecting people and transmitting knowledge from fellow progressive leaders on how to actually take actions to make your people grow. At Asian Tide, progressive means that you combine three things, equality, green, and community. And today we are delighted to have welcomed a special guest speakers who gathers the three. He is on top of being one of the youngest founder in Southeast Asia. He is also a safe made millionaire in tech recruitment for the startup Get Links. And this year, 2021, Joanne Fell founded the Atlas Society, a community of entrepreneurs and investors in sustainable tech. In this episode, he shares with us how he sees the future of work and how can ESG, economic, social and governments, investments can contribute in building your future. The value chain is definitely being reinvented with this remote work um, and the company who will be able to take those and turn it into advantages will be um, unfairly uh, competitive. You were mentioning uh, Metaverse uh, that was uh, launched by Mark Zuckerberg uh, last week. Can you tell us more about it? Um, because I know, I'm sure like some of our audience doesn't know what is metaverse. So Facebook is looking at changing that way for us to interact with each other on the internet by creating uh, virtual environments uh, in which you can immerse yourself through um, glasses, for example, like the Google Glass project. Mm -hmm. Facebook is, is working on a new uh, glass project, which um, I've, I hope this time won't be a failure um, like Google yeah. Glass. So they're looking to, to extend our experience through those glasses um, mm -hmm. and uh, with those helmets, which uh, they call Quest. It's a product line uh, of helmet, very similar to Oculus Rift. And so this enables you to, um, to interact in a 3D uh, augmented reality or virtual reality um, depending if you have the quest, this is virtual reality, you're completely uh, immersed uh, in, in, in this uh, world or augmented reality if you wear those glasses so you can still see uh, what happened around you in the real world. So these are the two new interfaces and hence it's a new business, it's a new economy literally that's gonna emerge from that because everybody gonna want to have 
their own space. Uh, and so that's going to redefine war completely, uh, I believe, uh, as well. Hmm. That's very interesting. So if I understand well, the workplace is going to change into a more virtual, vir virtual reality uh, setup where you can actually meet up. You have the feeling of meeting up your colleagues from around the world um, and, and conduct meetings. Like we are talking about hybrid meetings at the moment because we are doing with what we have with the Zoom and Google, Google Meetups. But actually uh, the future of work uh, will have this option of having virtual reality meetings uh, where you have the feeling that you are in the meeting room. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a very interesting intake. So, so this is this is not the future of work. Uh, this is this feature is actually live now, starting this week uh, on Quest. So it's the it's the present of work. Then, wow. yeah, many people many people think many people talk about the future of work, but they just don't open their eyes. Um, the reality is 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 the future is here for a very long time and um, it's just not distributed, right? Um, I mean, an example is those Google Glass, right? They, mm. they have been doing um, hybrid meetings for the past 12 years at Google in the Google X team, right? It's just that these technology were not distributed to mainstream people like us. So, so, so it's just that now you have technology that have been patented 20 years ago that now start to be uh, swallowed by the market because the time is right. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah, future of work is more like a prison of work. Uh, I think the future of work for real is in science fiction. You know, um, this, is, this is what is the future of work, but everything that is, is, is not in science fiction is already there, <laughs> right? It's the science reality. <laughs> yeah, it's not a fiction anymore. I see. Okay, it's very interesting intake. Uh, I, actually, it's the first time that I hear uh, such um, such input on the present of work. Um, in and it's true. Like most of us uh, in the mainstream, uh, doesn't look at tech uh, in the globality. We don't have the big picture of tech. We are not following uh, the the trends on tech. And this is one lesson that I'm going to, to draw from this conversation with you is that we need to check uh, everything, all the, the new trends, new technology, new hardware, uh, software that are uh, emerging at the moment and influencing our way of work. Um, you, you mentioned before that you have a big interest in sustainability. And um, there is a big question at the moment for organizations, uh, especially like globally, but also uh, at the Asian level. Um, and a lot more are investing in ESG initiatives. Um, how do you see the contribution of ESG in organizations? So let, let me answer that question and, and tackle a little bit uh, the first point of ESG, uh, which I think is very important, uh, coming back to this example of metaverse, right? Mm -hmm. So in, uh, in, uh, in ESG, 
you have environmental, societal, and governance. And in societal and governance, a big, big, you know, parameter is inclusion and diversity. Right? It's something everybody's gonna talk about uh, now and, and probably the next few years. Mm -hmm. So looking at inclusion and diversity, um, if you look at a very practical example of a technology that people should have looked a little bit better or early, the impact of social media to retail sales and the inclusion, inclusive impact of the people who could use the social media to the retail sales into their income. So in Vietnam, in Southeast Asia, you have a generation of men and women uh, from you know very young age, uh, maybe 18, 25 years old, who've made a lot of money by selling clothes on social media. Um, and these people, they, could, they were literally taken out of poverty for some of them. Um, they didn't graduate from any university. Their parents didn't afford to pay their school, but they've got the chance to catch that bus uh, and open a shop on Instagram, on Facebook, and trade dresses, trade shoes uh, directly to consumer without having to rent a shop, uh, you know, offline, a brick and mortar. So these people, they have made a lot of money. Um, the, 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 some of these people, you know, have become very successful and at least have been taken out of the poverty uh, through this technology. So that's an example of how at some levels, technology can be inclusive, right? Um, and that's, uh, that's beautiful, right? I, I believe uh, when we talk about the metaverse, of course, the metaverse will also produce the same or probably bigger impact on poverty, right? Some people from Pakistan uh, will be able to work as 3D designers for companies in the US and create virtual offices for them um, using Quest um, mm. and make a lot of money from this, right? Mm. right? Um, the shops of tomorrow need to be reinvented within the metaverse, right? So, so you will be able to take that offline shoe, pair of shoes and sell it on the metaverse uh, and also make money because there's so much more than you know, social media could offer up to now, right? Uh, so that's another example. So I think, I think technology have a uh, inclusion and diversity power in that sense, that it can include people from literally all around the world, emerging markets, developing developed market together. Now in the meantime, and that's the, that's the other edge of the sword, um, technology with ESG, you need to bring up one topic. It is um, the fact that some people will become trillionaires because technology is multiplicating their access to products wealth faster and faster, right? Um, and so that's something which, you know, need to be considered. And this is also part of ESG, right? So how do you redistribute wealth? Uh, or how do you enable everybody to have equal chances in that new adaptive economy with 
all these new things like metaverse, uh, electric cars, Tesla, etc. Right? I think it's a big deal because if we want to achieve the SDG goals, we're going to need to rethink that. Our generation is going to need to rethink capitalism because you just cannot justify people that are working their whole life uh, you know, at McDonald's or you know, FMB to make $300,000. Know? And some people that make $300,000 within half a second. <laughs> And this is, this is what technology empowers today, right? You have billionaires who literally sit on a chair and make more than a hundred years of work of a construction worker within a matter of seconds, mm. <laughs> right? This is what technology empowers. So ESG discussions gonna be around that too. And that's why I think uh, people in HR tech uh, and it is a very important part of ESG uh, because we're going to need to rethink how we create and distribute wealth. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, ESG is also uh, and mainly known for the environmental part, which is about how do we save our only habitable planet? Mm -hmm. um, but it's a long other discussion we can, we can have maybe with your next question. Okay. Um... Sure, but uh, just like coming back to the redistribution of wealth, um, coming from a company standpoint, like how can organizations, um, big organizations who have just like transformed digitally, um, how can they contribute into this wealth? Um, because we know that the digital transformation is a long way. Uh, it's already a, a, lot, a big challenge for our companies. And how, do they, how can they uh, take this transformation further and contribute to the redistribution of wealth? For any SMEs out there, um, they just need to know what's their play in that world, right? Um, will they be like, yeah, how, how are they going to play with this, right? Um, so you can, you can, you can, you can either... Uh, ride along or die. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, this is why you have to adapt, right? And adaptation and adaptability become the most important resources in the 21st century because the pace of change is only accelerating and because the difficulty of adapting for this organization is just going to be higher and higher because they will need to go faster and faster. So the capability for this organization to change will define their, will be their only define, uh, the only key to define their success or actually their survivability, hmm. right? So uh, when you understand that, you realize that how do you augment your adaptivity or your adaptability or your hmm. adaptive factors in your organization? Right, so that's really the key, right? So then this is how you can produce more wealth. This is how you can survive as a company. So you can do that by probably putting an adaptive culture into your organization, right? Uh, adaptive culture, I, I define it by three ways. Number one is being aware of 
where you are compared to where the world is going. Um, number two is analyze who in your team are the forces pushing the company to adapt, right? And number three is be willing to allocate time and resources to adapt, right? And so you see this organization doing it uh, by recruiting younger talents uh, or recruiting more technology uh, expert talents uh, but that's not the only solution, right? It's also about the entire culture of the company. If the decision process of your company doesn't change, you can hire, you know, the best uh, CTO from Zalo. Um, mm -hmm. He will quit, right? Because it just doesn't fit, right? So, so it's it's an entire reformation that you need to do in your organization to become adaptive. Do you have any advice uh, specifically to those leaders? Yeah, I think I think they need to. What I can see from from my past eight years in Asia, working with several you know corporate company as my clients, recruiting thousands of people for them, right? Uh, I think I think we really have reached more than thirty thousand people that we've placed into these companies, uh, and all for their tech team, digital marketing teams, etc. So. I think the, the key blocker for these companies to recruit is um, to recruit the next generation of leader is, is really the, the framework they have put in place to filter who is a potential talent and who is not. Mm. And this used to work where education was done at school sitting on a desk, right? Mm. But since Technology talents learn from computers, from their homes, from you know, anywhere really. If they are, the key is not really what school they have done, but how curious they are, how adaptive they are, right? And and this you can judge it from a diploma or a degree or from which school you've been to, because most of the people who've been to good school actually they're not that curious. They just learn, you know, what is it to be learned, uh, or they're not that adaptive because they haven't got too many problems in their lives, right? Because their parents have been able to cover that for them. Mm. Um, so when I see the most successful leader in corporates now, uh, I see people that the company have taken a bet. People that didn't have come from that school that is the top school or in, in that domain or in that country. Uh, and I see when these companies are taking those bets, usually the people that uh, they select uh, and that become then those leaders really change everything. And, and that's diversity, that's the power of diversity as well. Uh, and they just bring new ideas. Um, they just bring things outside of the box. Because how, how, can you, how can you ask your team to think outside of the box if they all come from the same box, <laughs> just right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's totally different. But how do you assess the potential of your talents? Like, what actually? Yeah. So how do you judge adaptability? Yeah. Right. How do you how do you judge adaptability? Right. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, and I, actually, one of my portfolio company have worked on that for the past year uh, and to create an adaptability assessment. 
that company is named Adaptivity. And what they do is they assess how curious you are, what are your behavior with technology, uh, what are your habits uh, using technology and digital tools. And I think this is very, very great. I mean, that's the first time uh, I've seen that. And that's why I believe it's, it's, it's a great thing. Um, I think it's not easy, uh, but you know, for those who are interested, they can go check adaptivity.us and, and find the assessment there. The assessment is from zero to 100. Uh, and that explains you, you know, what area you can improve to be more, more adaptive. So it's, like a, it's very similar to a Myobricks test. Um, and I think that's, that's the only solution I know for now. I see. I will put the link to uh, your assessment in the description of this episode. Awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And thank you, Joanne, for, for sharing your hands-on tips and experience uh, with us. Um, thanks for, for listening to Asian uh, Tide, uh, the podcast to drive your business growth in Asia. Stay tuned for our next episode uh, coming out next Sunday. Mm -hmm.